To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at Beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning on this third Sunday in Advent is the Old Testament reading from that odd-sounding name of the prophet of the Old Testament, Zephaniah. Chapter 3, you heard it read before, I recall just these words. Sing happily, people of Zion. Shout loudly, Israel. Celebrate and rejoice with all your heart. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who was born in Bethlehem's manger and now rules over all things, my beloved. Fort Hood, San Bernardino, 14, Paris, 129, unrest in Chicago, 150 shooting deaths in Milwaukee so far this year, a report from the FBI that there is no way that the government is going to absolutely stop terrorism. Terrorism. So what's your response to all of that? Rejoice! And again I say, rejoice! And you're probably saying, what are you, some kind of nutcase, Pastor? Why would you rejoice something like that? Well, i got to tell you, it's not me doing the rejoicing. It's the prophet Zephaniah. And it's our God encouraging us to rejoice. Now, you really can't understand what this all means unless we first of all clear up the confusion as to what joy is. And joy is not happiness. Happiness and joy are two different things. The opposite of happiness is sadness. The opposite of joy is desperation. Happiness is only temporary this side of eternity. Happy, you get a new Christmas toy. You break the Christmas toy, sad. Joy is eternal. You can't go out and try to find joy. It has to find you, and the only way it finds you is through faith in Jesus Christ, mankind's only way to eternal life. I like Kay Warren's definition of joy. It's the best one I found. It's in your bulletin on the very first page today. It goes like this. Joy is that settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. And it's the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. Examples. A person who has no joy and no happiness is an unbeliever having a bad day. A person with no joy and happiness is an unbeliever having a good day. A person with joy and no happiness is a believer having a bad day. A person with joy and happiness is a Christian who's having a good day. Now, believe it or not, 
from my vantage point as your pastor, the most rejoicing for Christians goes on in the strangest places. In funeral parlors, in hospital rooms, at deathbeds, listening to disastrous news reports, a doctor's serious diagnosis. Now, the words written uh, that stand before us from Zephaniah this morning are things that were predicted that did not make people happy at all. In fact, Zephaniah had a dirty job. In fact, it was almost an impossible job. He was to call his people of Judah to repentance, and they didn't want to repent. And so he had to tell them some bad things are going to happen to you. And they said, no, no, it can't happen because we are children of Abraham. Nothing bad ever happens to the children of Abraham. Now, why did Zephaniah pronounce God's judgment upon his people? Because all God wanted his people to do was love him back for what he did for them. Promised them a Messiah. Gave them land. Made them a great nation. But they didn't love him back. Instead, they turned to the the heathen idols in their land around them. Baal, they worshiped Baal, the god of fertility. They worshiped him by by frequenting the the, uh, temple prostitutes and sexual perversion, which is too horrible to mention from the pulpit today. And then they also worshiped the god Moloch. And every so often you had to take one of your little babies and throw it into the fire to appease Moloch's anger. And then they got involved with astrology, worshiping the stars. So God had his prophet Zephaniah go to them and say, How horrible will it be for you, you rebellious and corrupt place, a city of violence? It obeys no one. It does not accept correction. It does not trust the Lord. I said to my people, You will fear me. You will receive correction. Then their homeland would be wiped out. Destruction for their disobedience and unbelief. So far, no reason to rejoice. But then God went on and he said, Then I will give my people pure lips to worship the Lord and to serve him with one purpose. On that day, you will no longer be ashamed of all your rebellious acts against me. Then I will remove your arrogance. So with you I will leave a faithful few, a humble and poor people. They will seek refuge in the name of the Lord. After all that bad stuff happens, and you come back and believe in me once again, I'm going to bless you and make you my children once again. When Zephaniah heard that, he interrupted God's prophecy with his own rejoicing. He actually says, in the words before us this morning, rejoice. Take a look at what God did for you. Take a look at what God is doing for you today. And take a look at what he's going to do for you. And that will make you rejoice. What did God do in the past? It says, the Lord has reversed the judgments against you. He has forced, forced out all your enemies. God has reversed the judgment against you too. You, who deserve the death penalty, 
God says, you can go free, free, because I punished my son in your place instead of you. For all of your sins, the sins of your fears. You know, fear is a sin. What kind of fears do we have? Fear of losing our job, fear of losing our health, fear of losing money, fear of mass murders. I'm afraid. I'm always afraid because I'm on my own. Sin is one of those, fear is one of those sins, you know, that uh, God says, don't worry. Uh, easier said than done. I remember my uh, sainted maternal grandmother got a little bit older. Her son was divorced. He lived with her. He would stay out all night. She said, I worry about that boy so much. I said, Grandma, you should not worry. Worry is a sin. She said, yeah, but what are you going to do? Fear and worry, one of those sins that we just can't overcome. God forgave all of your sins of fear. And then, then uh, Zephaniah says, and he also forced out your enemies. You know what your greatest enemy is every day? You face it. And it isn't Russia, and it isn't Korea, and it isn't Iran, and it isn't Islam. It's death. The greatest enemy of all of us is death. Jesus put death out of commission. Christians can't die because spiritual death is being separated from God. All of our sins have been taken away. Nobody can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. And Christians can't die. Oh, they can sleep in the ground for a little while, but then they come back to life and experience a new heaven and a new earth. Rejoice, because look at what God did. And then also rejoice and look at what God is still doing today. Zephaniah goes on to say, The King of Israel, the Lord, is with you. He renews you with his love and celebrates over you with shouts of joy. Did you ever have a time where you felt really, really safe? Because somebody that you loved and knew could keep you safe was there. I remember one time I uh, had a football injury, a serious nasal uh, fracture in a game, and my no nose was punct punctured almost into my head. My, but my dad was there at the surgery, and so I felt safe. Jesus is always with us. You remember the, uh, the poem and the picture, Footprints in the Sand? And Jesus said, I'm always going to be around with you every, every day. Look at the footprints in the sand. And sure enough, there were two sets of footprints. This was uh, one, of, one of the believers up in heaven looking down at his past life. And all of a sudden, there was only one set of footprints. And the person says, aha, Jesus, you deserted me, didn't you? He said, no, no, those were the times of your life where I had to carry you. Jesus is always with us. And sometimes he has to carry us. Zephaniah says that God also is in heaven who's celebrating over you with shouts of joy. The Bible says that uh, there is resounding shouts of joy in heaven when even one person repents or becomes from an unbeliever to a believer. You know there were shouts of joy going up in heaven this morning when Mia Bella was baptized here and God changed her from an unbeliever to a believer just like yesterday with Skylar Marie. 
Shouts of joy going up in heaven. And every day that you remain in, in close contact and a child of God and a person on the way to heaven, God rejoices over you. Rejoice, because look at what God did. Rejoice, because look at what God is doing. And then he goes on and said, there's some good stuff to come yet. I will deal with all those who have overpowered you. I will rescue those who are lame. I will gather those who have been scattered. I will make them uh, them praised and famous in all the world. I will make you famous and praised among all the people of the earth and restore your fortunes. On the great day, the last day of this world, our Savior will return visibly. And he will, first of all, deal with all of our enemies who persecuted and killed Christians, and they will be punished eternally. He said he will rescue the lame, restore the lame. All physical disabilities will be removed. Christians who are scattered all over the world will finally be gathered into one family for that family reunion of all time in heaven forever. And God on that day will make You famous, you Christian. You might say that once you get to heaven, all of your faces will be on God's Mount Rushmore. All famous. Because you can't get any more famous than being a child of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God will praise you in heaven for all of the things that you did in your life out of love for Jesus Christ as your Savior. In heaven, God will put you on his own pedestal as a child of God. And he'll restore that new heaven and that new earth the way it was supposed to be in the beginning until it got all fouled up. And so there it is. We live in a world where we're just not happy all the time. But for Christians, there's still joy. And you and me... And I are invited to celebrate before the celebration because the ultimate celebration is a done deal. What are we doing now? I always like to think, you know, it's sort of like, isn't it, uh, sort of like on earth here for Christians, it's sort of like a bridal shower or a baby shower or maybe even a bachelor party where you celebrate before the celebration you know it's a done deal. The day is coming. Our Lord God invites us right now in the midst of this early earthly seeming chaos and frustration and sadness to be filled with joy, a gift that only he can give. That settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in everything. Now, don't make any misunderstandings this morning. God's call to rejoice and to celebrate is by no means a command from on high to put on your festive face at a stressful time down here. But God wants you to know that he's been here. And that's what the celebration is all about. And he's still here with us in our sinfulness, our stresses, our fears. 
And that's why the celebration is still going on and always will. God for us. God in us. God is with us. Emmanuel. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. And we already confessed our faith in the baptismal ceremony. So now we will take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.